Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. your daily dose of donna a little delayed today hello everyone and happy december it is officially december 1st we have made it we have made it are we proud of this are we excited by this i mean i can't believe that it's already december and i know that this sounds like a broken record but i was getting murphy my dog um you know uh groomed this morning and when i walked in there he said no it can't be December 1st. I was like, it's December 1st. Trust me, my mortgage was taken out. I saw that. It's December 1st. And uh, seriously, I'm not joking. Everyone was like, what, what, how? It just was New Year's. Like, I don't understand. I mean, this year, maybe more than any other year has gone by so fast. And that's for sure because of Daily Dose of Donna on my end. But I'm very happy to be here. And um, I'm happy to spend the first of the month. Remember that song by Wu-Tang Clan? Is that who it was? No, Bone Thugs in Harmony. Wake up, wake up, wake up. It's the first of the month to get up, get up. Okay, so I am here. I'm happy to be here. Uh, my gardener has made an appearance today, so we're hanging out with him. And I, uh, you guys, the comments on yesterday's show with Justin Martindale blew me away. No, I was convinced that I was going to get a lot more hate than I did. And I'm so excited that I didn't. The reason, obviously, for the hate would not be because of me or Justin. Well, maybe because of me or maybe actually because of Justin and me. But you know what I'm talking about. And luckily, it was filled with positive, lovely comments. And I was so grateful for that. I did get some mean ones. But, you know, wiping those off my shoulder like that. Oh my gosh, yesterday was so much TV. It's unbelievable. And oh, oh, if you watch my Instagram stories, you saw that I was really upset because I got spoiled, okay? The Golden Bachelor spoiled it for us. Because if you go to a freaking, if you even dare open Instagram on the West Coast when something is airing on the East Coast, it's you're screwed. Especially because everyone I follow is like, I mean, for the most part, entertainment related, Bravo, People, Us Magazine, those kinds of things. So not me thinking that I'm not going to get spoiled on who the Golden Bachelor chooses. And then, of course, I open up Instagram and bam, right there, People Magazine picture. In the caption, it's a spoiler alert. Gary picks his final. But the picture is of, guys, I'm going to say it. We're talking about it here, okay? Teresa. Now. I had a feeling he was going to pick her. That was kind of what everyone was saying. But I just was hoping that we were going to get shocked and uh, the different side. But I'll go into the Golden Bachelor in a second. The good thing is that one of you dosers sent me a DM of the talk of shame. Kiki at the talk of shame was asked the same question. How are you able, because I know she's here in LA as well. How are you able to access all these shows on East Coast time? without direct TV. And she said she has Sling TV. So I have YouTube TV, which is our streaming service, but I just purchased Sling, Sling TV. They have some sort of deal like $20 for the first month. And if that's the case, then I can start watching um, Real Housewives with you guys 
on the East Coast. So I figured this is a worthy investment considering that what I do for my living, like for a living is to talk about these shows. And I hate that I have to wait until late at night and then the next morning because, you know, I fall asleep at 930. Okay. So I'm excited to try that. Uh, we're coming up on the weekend. Shabbat Shalom for everyone. Happy that, uh, you know, it's Friday as always. I have no plans this weekend other than baseball. No plans. Like I, nothing. So I don't know what that means for me because it's so unlike me. Normally I'm overbooked on the weekends. So I'm looking forward to a chill weekend, but probably find some fun stuff in there. Fun stuff in there. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh, my hair on the YouTube is is creating a lot of comments. Jeez. Okay. So we have some stories. And then, of course, we're going to talk about all of Thursday Night TV. And I do want to just plug, once again, Squid Games. Squid Games on Netflix. We're four or five episodes in, so I'm not up to speed because I think nine episodes have been released. It's a fantastic show. Like, we're so at the edge of our seats watching that show. So make sure to watch that so we can talk about that in the Facebook group on Daily Dose of Donna. Let's start with some stories. Okay, I have to cover it. Not that I really want to, but I have to cover it because... It is Bravo News, okay? Bravo News, Raquel Levis, Rachel Levis. Okay, I know. Formerly a Vanderpump Rules. It's like, why are we even talking about her anymore? But she has a new podcast that she's finally announced. We knew she was going to have a podcast because she said that on Bethany's show a few months ago. But now she officially is announcing it. And it's going to be released in January. And here's the thing about it. Hold on. I'm just trying to pull up the article, but I'm having some. I'm using my son's iPad, which really shouldn't be his iPad because like the truth is I bought it really should be mine, but um, I'm trying something new out like from the tech purposes. So I'm using my iPhone to record this. I wonder if you guys can see any difference in quality, but we're going to see. Um, okay. So it's called Rachel goes rogue. What? So it basically says after retreating from the spotlight following Scandal, Rachel Levis is making a comeback. She has announced her new podcast, Rachel Goes Rogue, a set to debut in the new year. It's going to go into Rachel's journey and see the former Bravo celebrity get candid about her mental health breakdown and intensive treatment. She has a little trailer that's out there. Now, it's interesting that it's coming out in January, considering the fact that, you know, January is... Uh, when Vanderpump Rules will be premiering its next season. If she, here's why and when I would listen to the show. I would listen to the show when or if she just recapped Vanderpump Rules. <laughs> like if she spent every episode just going through and talking shit about Tom or all the people or whatever, I feel like people would be into it and listen to it. But the fact that she's, talking about mental health struggles. Well, I do think there will be an audience for her. I just don't think that it's going to have that hit that people really want. She'll probably end up kind of turning it into some sort of a recap show because I feel like a lot of reality stars do that. Um, because just like talking about life, sometimes it's just not interesting if people aren't that interested in who you are. And we've all talked about the Bethany podcast before. And we, I think that we all can agree that it was probably not the best move for her to go on Bethany's show. This should have been her first and fourth, like this should have been her entrance into the public atmosphere should have been on her own terms. Instead, I don't know if she got paid for Bethany's show. Bethany said she did, 
but we didn't actually get an answer about that or not. Um, we know that the show is actually through iHeart as well. iHeart does Bethany's show. Um, they do a lot of big shows. They do like two teas in a pod and a few other big, you know, reality star type shows. Uh, but I wonder if it's like under some sort of Bethany umbrella. I wouldn't be surprised if Bethany made a deal with Raquel or Rachel to say, okay, we're going to kind of package you under my production home. Because I, I think Bethany personally, I bet she somehow is going to make money off this podcast. Don't you guys think? That's what I think. Um, speaking of Bethany, I feel like we have to get into it. Bethany, um, Bethany was written about in what I find a very scathing article under The Cut. So The Cut is a New York Magazine um, publication. And the title is called Bethany Frankel, comma, Still Dragging Everyone. So immediately I was like, whoa, because normally the Bethany articles that we're seeing are pretty positive, I would say, about her. They're, they talk about the fact that she is like doing everything. She's, you know, doing the reckoning and she's really standing up for the people and saying all the things. But it's called Bethany Frankel still dragging everyone. It says TikToking a baked potato with the self-described Aaron Brockovich of the reality TV reckoning. So they're not even calling her the Aaron Brockovich. They're saying the self-described. It's an ouch. It is not a nice article. Here's a couple sentences that I just like randomly would see that I was like, ooh, this is not good. It starts with her saying that they call me Aaron Brockovich as she's sitting on her house, whatever. And then she said, then the article says she doesn't specify who exactly besides Bethany Frankel herself, of course, is calling her Aaron Brockovich, but she's clearly interested in my buying into the comparison and confident in it. After all, it's quote, taking some courage to do what she's doing. Who's the author here? Uh, I'm doing it reader mode. So I don't know if it's not going to tell me. I'll have to find out, but whoever this is, not a huge fan. Then it says, um, she's talking about the fact that, you know, the reality reckoning, and she's doing this article at her house the weekend of BravoCon, right? So when she was probably feeling, we all thought about it, right? That she was probably feeling like, ooh, everyone is, um, you know, over in Vegas living their the life of the party, and I'm sitting here kind of campaigning against these people. There's no way that she felt good that weekend, but that was the day that she was, that this author was in the, um, her Fairfield County compound. And, uh, Bethany told her that her phone was blowing up from texts from other Bravo celebrities chiming in with their support. She says, I've never had a better relationship with women since leaving the show. That's so ironic. Um, so it basically goes on and on and on. And this is the part that I thought was so crazy. She says, she says about Andy Cohen that um, it says she was hoping to avoid taking pot shots at her old boss and friend, Andy Cohen. In person, however, she is eager to tell me exactly what she thinks. And then her, her quote is, he's been able to sit back and have a Cheshire grin, she says, her arms sternly crossed. He's watching Gladiator, watching everyone rip each other apart and being entertained by it. He's become very wealthy, wealthy profiting off of women's. And then the quote ends. And then it says, she then gets distracted by the help 
I counted at least an assistant, a driver, a plumber, and a housekeeper scurrying around. She clearly emerged a winner from her own time in the Coliseum. This is what the author says. It is... It's bad, you guys. So essentially, then it goes into the whole thing about Bethany's like history coming up, skinny girl, everything. It says Frankel's not shy about her accomplishments. Um, and then she left, you know, in in 2010 and then came back and then left again. And then it's talking about the reality reckoning. This part, who do you guys think it is? I'm guessing Carol. But it says not everyone seems to think Frankel is waging this fight in good faith. When one of her former castmates, I heard I was writing this story, she met me for a drink where for a couple of hours she tried to convince me that Frankel's war is nothing more than a scheme to get attention, a hashtag as this housewife who asked not to be named put it. She's a creation of Bravo. They created a Frankenstein, gave her power, and as in life in t- imitating art, she turned against her creator. Um, it was obvious and inevitable. She'd like everyone to believe that she gives a damn about the exploitative nature of reality TV. Instead, what she's doing is desperately trying to keep herself relevant, making herself the hero without doing any of the work. And then they mentioned the Bethany, the Ebony um, Williams quote against Bethany, which basically said, F Bethany Frankel, you think I'm going to let some white girl speak from my, from my experience. Then they talk about the fact that Bethany had just pitched a few shows and she didn't, you know, get them picked up. And then her podcast rewives and, um, And then, but the positive thing she says is even in person, no camera crew in sight, it's easy to see why Bethany Frankel makes good TV. She's a woman who needs no caffeine, constantly entertaining, even when you're just watching her be herself talking at you, less interested in what you have to say in response to her than what she has to say next. Ouch, you guys, these are mean things to say. Her assistant at one point calls this interview a play date which is exactly what it feels like, which is why she's perfect for TikTok, goes into the TikTok thing. And then she says, anywhere, anyway, before we got lost in housewives tea spilling, Frankel had suggested we make lunch, girl dinner. Of course, it will be content. She goes, I may film this. I'm filming this. It has to be filmed. She talks about caviar, fancy girl dinner. Let's go. She tells her phone, then to me. And then she says, this is how the sausage gets made back to the camera. My potato is out of the oven. And the reason it's nice, fine China is we have a special guest today. Anyway, I've seen that TikTok, by the way. Um, so not long after Frankel's daughter and her fiance, Paul Burnin, arrive and I get a brief glimpse at the housewife being an actual wife, sending her daughter off to do homework, nagging Burnin about all sorts of things. He seems to like it, calling her affectionately a real Joan Rivers. She wishes. When the two get into a disagreement about how early they eat dinner, he looks at me with a wink, says Bethany is the hero of every story. Frankel, on the other hand, has reclined in her seat, full of girl dinner and quiet for maybe the first time today. I'm exhausted. I just hit the wall, she says. Pimpin' ain't easy, right? And that's the end of the article. Now, normally when I see a Bethany article, I'm like, okay, skim, 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 skim. But this was atrocious for Bethany. It's quite possibly one of the worst articles Bethany's ever had written about her. Like it feels like it's an Andy Cohen um, plant, right? It's pretty incredible. So girl dinner. Anyway, if I have to see Bethany talk one more time about like, watch me make breakfast and don't fight me, (laughs) like I would die. Okay. So Bethany and Raquel are off 
off to the races with their careers. I know that Bethany did release a podcast yesterday. One of you guys posted the description in the Facebook group and it's about Nene leaks and her like removing the picture on Instagram. So I'm curious if you guys listen to that. I don't know if I can. I don't know. I'm kind of just hoping one of you guys tells me what happened. Um, any other crazy news? There's definitely a couple little entertainment stories I thought were interesting. Felicity Huffman. Did you guys remember this, uh, this whole story about the college, um, the college, uh, what, what was it called? There was a whole scandal called the, um, now I can't remember. There was like a reality, uh, not a reality show, a, uh, documentary about it. It was a college scandal basically where this man, William Rick Singer, who was eventually convicted for being the mastermind behind the scheme, uh, basically got her, got Felicity and many other parents to agree to cheat their kids into college, college admissions. Thank you. College admissions scandal. Um, this was, if you guys haven't seen the documentary on it, it was so good. I don't remember the name of it, but just, I'm sure you can find it in two seconds, but it was such an incredible documentary. I was so entranced by this story because it was Lori Laughlin, you know, Aunt Becky from Full House and then Felicity Huffman and a variety of other people that some were just very, very wealthy entrepreneurs. Some were, you know, venture capitalists and doctors and lawyers and whatever. So Felicity Huffman, what she did was she paid a certain amount of money to fudge her daughter's SAT scores to get her into school. She had worked with Rick Singer and he basically told her, I have a, um, you know, a, a way for your daughter to get into college because the way her scores are as of now, she will not get into her dream school. And Felicity admits that she felt like she was being a good mother by trying to get her kid into the school that her kid wanted to go to. As a mother myself, with older kids now, I can see the want, but to go through with it, I mean, are we shocked by any means that any of these rich people pay their way through life? Like, are we shocked? I I'm not shocked at all. I think that, you know, I'll talk about Paris in just a bit, but like all of these rich, rich, rich families, money to them is, is so easy coming and easy going. I mean, Lori Laughlin's husband was like the owner of the Massimo brand and all these other people. Like they have millions of dollars that they make a year, millions, many, many millions. And so it's hard to even think that $15,000 would be a drop in the bucket. Like it wouldn't even be a thought for them. I don't know if it was exactly 15,000, how much she spent, but it was, you know, in the thousands. And I don't, I don't know specifically, you know, I don't, I'm not even shocked by it. Like growing up here in Los Angeles, I'm not even shocked by it. Now, would I do that? Absolutely not because I'm into seeing my kids fail to learn. For example, and if any of you guys want to give me some advice, my just turned 11-year-old is so wonderful, so smart, so amazing, such a perfectionist at school, so like well-behaved, but at home, he like, he's disorganized. He doesn't want to do his homework. He forgets things. Anyway, the point is that I truly have decided in the last couple of months that I'm just going to let him mess up. Like I used to, I used to run to school if he forgot something and I can't do that anymore. I can't do it anymore because he doesn't learn. Right. So I, I think that there has to be, you know, consequences to your kid not doing as well. 
And honestly, with the school environment these days, like, is college really necessary? I'm telling you, I'm very anti-college after this last month. I were confused about college. It's trippy. But I'm going to take this moment right now to, uh, to plug my friend. And this was not on purpose, but she's such a good friend of mine. And she owns a tutoring service and a college admissions um, company here in LA. But she's huge on TikTok. She goes by College Expert on TikTok. Her name is Alexis White. And she owns A-List Tutoring Service. And she's had a lot of celebrity clients. But she also, she and her mom work together. And they help people get into college in a in a, in a um, legal way. She, she really helps with the admissions process and the essays and she's wonderful. And she has an online course. I'll get all the information. I'll put the link below, but she's wonderful. If you guys don't know her and if you have kids that are in high school ages, you should definitely start following her. She's a good friend of mine. She's a blast. So shout out to Alexis college expert. I'll post her stuff later. Okay. So let's move on. Let's move on into last night's TV because holy moly, we've got so much to talk about. Okay. Where are we? 20 minutes. Okay. I'm going to start on Southern Charm just because I find it the least like interesting to talk about. I love Southern Charm, but it's just like, I'm not that invested. Like give me Real Houses of Beverly Hills. I can talk about Kyle and Mauricio and Morgan Wade for 37 minutes, but Southern Charm to me is just, it's more of the same every episode, but this episode, we start to see them planning this trip to go to Jamaica. Of course, Craig, my boyfriend, Craig plans it. Craig plans it all for the intention to get his beautiful girlfriend, Paige, to get more in the mix with his friends. Now, let me talk about this for a second. Paige lives in New York. We know this. He lives in Charleston. This is the big issue. Where are we going to live if we want to get engaged? Where would we go? I don't want to go to New York. I don't want to go to Charleston. Uh Uh-oh. He decides to tell all the people and plan this whole trip to Jamaica for a getting to know Paige better vacation and then decides to bring it up to Paige. So everyone's already decided to come. And then he gets on the phone, FaceTime with Paige. She seems to be like at an airport or something. And he says, hey, um, what do you think about going to Jamaica next week? And she's like, I can't. Now, A lot of you guys were commenting that I saw online saying, this is such BS. What could Paige possibly be doing that she can't get away for three days? So Paige, from what I know, obviously she makes a lot of money doing a variety of things. She does her big Amazon live. She gets probably paid bank for that. She's an influencer. She takes pictures online and posts about them and, you know, gets paid to do that. But she's also the host of the Giggly Squad, which is one of the most popular podcast, comedy podcasts out there. It's always like very high up in the charts. She and Hannah Burner. And so maybe they had stuff for the Giggly Squad. Maybe she had a tour situation because they go on tour and they perform. I don't know. I'm sure she has other stuff that she's doing. Either way, this felt so weird because there's no way he would have planned a trip to Jamaica without knowing her dates. Can you guys find that a little weird? I found that weird. It's almost like it was intentional. Like, this is the reason I'm going to have this trip because why else would Craig put everyone together on a trip? And then shockingly, Paige can't come. It was, I found that odd. Now, I'm obsessed with Paige and Craig. And I know what you guys are thinking. Like, why would I love my boyfriend's other girlfriend? But did you see pictures of Paige and Craig at the variety dinner? Holy moly. So Paige was one of the, um, Paige was one of the uh, 40 
reality, 40 top reality stars um, by variety. Remember, I read out the entire list, like Christine Brown was on there, Kyle Richards, Teresa, of course, um, Candy, like a bunch of different women that we watch on Real Housewives, Tamara Judge. And then, of course, reality stars from so many different networks. But Paige was one of them. And she looked so gorgeous at the variety evening with her boyfriend, our boyfriend, Craig, that I'm willing to just like accept that they need to be together forever. I'm going to show you guys right now. Have you ever seen a better looking couple than these two? She is stunning, stunning. And he ain't so bad, you guys. Ah, They did a whole Craig homage to Craig last night. Did you see that, JT? He was like, Craig is pretty much perfect. And then there was like music, ethereal music in a moment with Craig. And I was like, yes, he is. Yes, he is perfect. So he um, he plans this trip. Everyone decides to go. Now, this is after we have just found out that after the night where all the guys were hanging out at Whitney's house, um, you know, eating all the French food, and they got into like an argument because of Shep and Austin. Apparently, Taylor was booty calling all of the guys. Taylor's Taylor, listen, I am all for being single and like booty calling and calling all the guys and texting. And like, you know, I've all we've all done that, right? You have a few drinks and you're like checking in with everyone. Maybe like let's branch out of the friend group, right? Let's just branch a little bit out. Like the messing with Shep. And so she basically put out for a, a booty call with Shep. He said no. And she was like, well, then I guess I'll just stay with Austin trying to make him feel jealous. Taylor is coming off horribly this season. Horribly, right? She's a bad friend to Olivia. She's a bad ex-girlfriend to Shep. She's kind of a bad all-around person this season, which is just so strange. Leva said, I don't really know this Taylor. I don't recognize this Taylor, but I think she's just going through a bad breakup. Which could be true, but also feels like you can go through a bad breakup and like screw everyone that you know or hook up with everyone you know, but like leave your best friend's ex out of that. Now, I do believe that Taylor and Austin actually do have feelings or at this moment did have feelings. I think Austin did. And, you know, basically what happens is they eventually go to Jamaica. There's a weird kind of Olivia and Austin um, flirt thing going. Everyone's confused. Then there's a weird Taylor flirt thing. Like it's just, everyone's flirting with everyone. We also saw Madison slash Jessica Simpson because she's her doppelganger, um, go to the OB and like, she's considering having a baby. It's weird that they keep, I love watching Madison. It's just, it doesn't fit. The Madison and Vanita side does not fit with the rest of the girls. It doesn't feel like it feels very forced. So. Everyone's there with their ex. They go to Jamaica. Craig is the best because he ends up going to the, we've all gone to Mexico, right? If you've gone to Mexico, if you've gone to other countries, a lot of times they have bars, like right when you leave the plane, you get off the airport. The best is when you land in Mexico, you walk right outside the airport. When I was there just now, just a year ago or whatever in Tulum, going to Cabo next year, you get like Corona's at the bar, you get in your van with your drink. It's so fun. So this is what they do. They go and immediately get drinks. And Craig, only Craig finds the random woman in Jamaica who's making them a drink. And he's like, well, she's dating him and she used to date him. And then they were dating each other. And they are, I mean, Craig is such a producer. 
He's such a housewife and such a producer, really loving him. They go to Jamaica. Everyone's getting drunk. Everyone's getting in their rooms. Whitney's pissed because he doesn't have a presidential suite, this guy. And, um, and they end up going to dinner. And at this dinner, you know, they all start talking. They're all having conversation. Everything's kind of going okay. Nothing crazy is happening, but Shep is starting to drink. And when Shep starts to drink, it just never goes well. Shep is vile, awful, disgusting human being with alcohol, right? Like, you know how the other day when Kyle Richards said about Sutton, you know, vodka makes you mean. I don't actually think that's true. I think if you have a mean streak in you, And if you have mean tendencies, then vodka, tequila, wine, beer, anything you drink will heighten those, those feelings, right? I think if you're a really fun, nice, good person, vodka is not going to make you an asshole. Now, some people become these mean drunks, you know, where they only are mean when they're drunk. But I do believe that just means that they're more inhibit, un- Uninhibited, <laughs> uninhibited. I think that's how you pronounce it, which basically means you just don't give two craps. There's no filter. Something happens when you have a few drinks. We've all done it, right? Where all of a sudden you eat things that you wouldn't have eaten maybe if you were sober, or you call people, or you text people, or you say things, right? So this is how it works. And I don't know. I think that Shep is just nasty, nasty, nasty. I'm really not feeling Shep ever but this season specifically, and then hearing what he did at BravoCon and how he was acting. So honestly, Taylor and Shep should just go off into the sunset. But Madison has a very sweet conversation with her uh, ex-boyfriend, Austin. And she's like, I think you love Taylor. I think you should go after what makes you happy. Like, I understand that Shep is your friend and you don't want to be a bad friend to him and you love Olivia and care about her. But if you love Taylor, go for her. I hope he doesn't. I don't think he does. I think now... In like real time, I think Taylor has another boyfriend, but I don't, I don't follow Taylor and I just don't want to. Okay. Let's move on from Southern Charm because there's so many more interesting things to talk about. Who here watched Paris in Love? So I didn't realize that they released more than one new episode. So I watched just the first episode of the new season, uh, season two. And I finished that right before this call or this call, this uh, recording. So I have no idea what happens in episode two. I think that's when she actually introduces Phoenix, her son, to her mom. So let me just set the scene for you guys and then give you a few thoughts. And I'm curious what your thoughts are. Like I said this week, Paris Hilton has never been one that I've gone out of my way to, you know, follow or check in with or care to follow actually at all. And in fact, watching the show, I understand why. And don't at me, Paris fans. Don't at me. But there is something so, there's such a uh, uh, screw missing. There's something so like missing. And it doesn't mean that she's dumb. She's not dumb. I'm not in any way trying to say that. It's just like there is a human quality that I am not connecting to. Even when she's vulnerable and sad. So in this first episode, it starts with her and Carter, her new husband, driving to the hospital to meet their baby, Phoenix, who's now in labor with a surrogate mother. And then the whole episode goes back into the last few months and how she really kept this a secret from everyone. She kept it a secret from... um from her mom, 
from her sister, from her best friends, from her team. He kept it a secret from his family. I have no idea how production gets involved here. Like, do they know? Because I know that there's cameras set up. So obviously, like in the car, they have to know. But anyway, anyway, it just feels, you know... I'm struggling because when they go back, they start showing her like working her butt off and they're packing up the house to get ready to move to the new house. And Paris Hilton is known to have like 46 small dogs around her. So one of her baby dogs, millionaire baby, I want to say, I'm not joking. There's like Princess Paris Jr., Ether, I don't know, Love Bomb. There's like so many random names. But millionaire baby is a little dog that you know, they're all small. And she lives obviously somewhere in a hill area because here in Los Angeles, if you're somewhat in the hills, even me, I'm not really up in the hills, but I'm a little bit. Um, there's so many coyotes, like in the middle of the night, you can see coyotes. So to have a small dog is very dangerous. And she's talking about how so many of her dogs have been taken by coyotes and all of a sudden she can't find her dog. She cannot, oh, diamond baby, millionaire baby. <laughs> no, millionaire baby is like a millionaire MD millionaire, whatever is uh, LD millionaire is Monica's mom on, um, on Salt Lake City. I feel like Monica's mom and Paris Hilton's dog have a lot of like similar characteristics. So she's looking for this dog. She starts to panic because it's clear this dog is missing. She's convinced that a coyote has taken the dog. She starts to cry, but in like a way, and do I believe that she was really sad? Yes, but it's like a strange kind of pout. She's, she's, she retreats and I'm not, you know, a, a therapist here, but I feel like she retreats to this like baby in so many ways to cope with the trauma of things that she's gone through as a child. And honestly, we'll talk about Kathy in a minute because I really think her mom is so effed in so many ways. It's bananas. So there's that whole like dog scene and her husband, listen, I watched most of first season and her husband or her fiance at the time was just too much for me. In this episode, he's also a lot, but he does seem a lot more just supportive and sweet. Um, But they moved to the new house. It's a lot about work and it's a lot about her giving herself um, IVF shots or yeah, because infertility shots because she's doing egg retrievals. So her whole family and people around her know that she's trying to retrieve eggs to have IVF. That's what she says. But she has not mentioned to anyone that she's currently pregnant with her surrogate. She keeps doing it because she wants to get a girl. She's only gotten boys. I know the feeling. Paris. So there's this one scene where she's doing these IVF um, shots at her mom's house because they had just worked on something. They had just shot something. And in this scene, this one scene is exactly like indicative of why Kathy Hilton has probably been a, a very tough mom to Paris. When I say tough, I mean just like not loving, not nurturing, not mothering. So Paris is standing there in her mom's closet and she's like, I have to do this shot. Now, I'm a mom and I have a mom. I'm going to tell you this right now. If I said to my mom or if my kids said to me, I have to take this shot and I've never seen you do it. And this is not like you're not a diabetic that's doing this daily. I would be like, whoa, are you okay? Like, what do you need? And she, Paris is like doing everything to try to get a little bit of, of attention with it. Ow, it really hurts. Oh, this needle is so big. I really hate doing these shots. Meanwhile, mom's like, okay. 
starts walking out of the room. Producer is like, hey, um, Kathy, do you know what she's doing? Kathy goes, no, what? She goes, IVF shots. Oh, yeah? Oh, okay. Paris, you have to see this bag that dad bought me. Huh? And Paris is like, um, okay, cool. I don't care about those bags. Ow, ow. And she's like putting the shot in and you can tell that Paris is like even upping it to try to get attention. Ow, ow, ow. And she's like shaking her hands. And mom is like, and look at this Cartier, you know, gold. It's unreal. You guys, it's unreal. It's not, it's not like a nice moment for Paris's mom at all for Kathy. And I've liked Kathy from what I've seen on like the other shows and last this is not showing her in a good light. So then they go to a holiday party at Kathy's house. Now, this is like a real deal holiday party, not, you know, like the one she had earlier this week, the direct TV. This is like an official Kathy Hilton holiday party. Looks amazing. And she's, uh, you know, we see all the celebrities. We see the Kris Jenner and, of course, Kim Kardashian's there and a bunch of other, Paula Abdul. And Kathy is mic'd. And she keeps just talking shit about people. She's talking about... Um, she tells the bartender or whatever, like there's people that are stealing all the caviar. I want to punish them and not put it out. And then she goes to another friend and she's like, my friend has breath that smells like a dead fish. Oh, whoops. I keep forgetting I'm being recorded. Then Paris comes. Finally, she's not really in the mood to come, but she comes. And as she's like getting out of the car and walking up, Kathy Hilton's immediately like, I need you. I need you. Help me. I keep saying things on mic. And she goes with Paris into some sort of like coat closet. And she goes, you smell like a rat on mic, on camera. It's not giving me the best feelings. Just saying, not giving me the best feelings. Now, I haven't seen much more than that with Kathy, but we'll have to see. Then finally, the last scene is when they're driving to the hospital, which of course Paris has to stop at Party City to buy balloons. Actually, to buy $783 of balloons and party supplies so that her new baby son gets her vibe. These are the things that I, that throw me for a loop with a person like Paris. Kim Kardashian's very extra too in her own ways, but for some reason, I just don't think she would do that. Like, I just feel like there's like a level of, you know, extravagance and extra. And then there's a level of like, why? Why? You know? Ugh. So it just, we'll have to see. It's good TV though, you guys. It's good TV. But it's so sad. Paris couldn't even tell her sister about the baby. Like, why? I understand if you're scared. To, oh, oh, Kathy also went on E! News and was saying very openly that Paris was struggling to have babies because she was doing the IVF. But Kathy has never talked to Paris about it. Paris has never told Kathy, I'm struggling to have babies. It's just nuts. Anyway, um, I thought that was a crazy, crazy first episode, but we'll be watching it. Let me know in the comments if you guys are watching Paris in Love or if I should just do this like on a Patreon situation. I want to give you guys what you want, okay? I'm here to serve. I am like in and out. If you want special sauce, just let me know. Speaking of special sauce, we have to talk about The Golden Bachelor. Guys, How are we feeling about his choice? So just to give you guys a little rewind, a little recap, Gary is down to two women, Teresa and Leslie. 
Teresa is someone that he went on one of his first dates with, the Don't Stop Believing Diner date that actually made me tear up because it was so sweet. But since then, Teresa's just had her head in the clouds. They've seen each other every once in a while, but I've never gotten the feeling that Gary was too enamored. I never got the feeling that Gary was like so into her. I got the feeling that she was a little bit dingbatty, maybe sweet, but she just has a vibe, like head in the clouds, right? And it just felt like a little bit of, I just felt like he was keeping her around because he, like, she was nice. Like, she was sweet and she really liked him, right? Now, Leslie, meanwhile, was a woman who they had, they were so horny for each other, these two. They couldn't get their hands off each other. They were clearly so lusty in love. They loved to make out. They were laughing together all the time. Leslie's hot. She's got a great body. Um, so does Teresa, actually. Both of them have got, like, killer, killer bodies for for their ages and, honestly, for my age. And um, and I just like Leslie as a person more. I just connected with Leslie more. And it sure seemed like Gary did, too. Up until last week or the last episode when they go to Costa Rica and he has his overnights. And the first overnight is with Leslie. And he's like, I love you. I think you're the one. I can't live without you. I need you in my day to day. I need you in the morning. I need you at night. Now, I don't know about you guys, but if a man told me that, I would probably think like, ah, he's in love. Like, I, it's me. It's me. Hi. I'm the one. It's me. Then the next night he goes out with Teresa and after God knows what, they finally decide to talk about what career what career Teresa has. Now, the only reason I'm bringing this up is because I found it a little suspect that producers and editors left this in. Because to talk about what someone does for a living is, while it's good TV or while it's kind of interesting, it's not really like so important to the story unless it's important to the story. Which means for the first time after all these weeks, he asks Teresa, wait, you have a job? What do you do? We find out that Teresa does very well for herself. Teresa, in fact, is like a very, very high net worth, you know, not very, very, not Paris Hilton, but like she does well for herself. She's an entrepreneur. She's a businesswoman. She makes money. Then after that conversation, they go and they hook up. They, they you do all the crazy things. And then they wake up the next morning and Gary is smitten. So either this woman performed acts that he has never seen in all his life sexually. Or he was like, oh, I want to go to Italy once a year. I think this is the one. Just saying. Now, is it possible for a man or for a woman to be so in love, so enamored, so incredibly like sure about one person and then not 24 hours later completely change their mind and pick another? I guess I've never been on The Bachelor, but I, I suppose that that is something that, you know, people do. I always got the feeling on The Bachelor that the person that gets picked at the end is really like they know, right? Not the person that's picked, but the person who is doing the picking, they know. And for editing purposes, we're led to believe that they have feelings for everyone. But Gary, we decided last night is not a good actor and he's not able to fake it. He's not. Because what happens is they have this, you know, two-hour women tell all, I'm not women tell all, after the final rose slash finale in a studio audience. In the studio audience are some of our faves. We got Susan, who is Kris Jenner. We've got Ellen, pickleball championship of the year. We got Sandra, the one who does the, you know, who Mr. Sisters 
her daughter's wedding and does like the, the ohm with some bad words. We have Kathy. We all know Kathy. Zip it, lock it, snap it, bend it. Zip it. Teresa. Do you think Kathy is so pissed that Teresa was the final after all of that? We have um, all the other ones. <laughs> I feel like, oh, and then of course, um, Faith, the one who got eliminated last time. So we're all watching the show live with them, including watching, when I say live with them, like they keep panning to all of these people, including seeing Gary's daughters and granddaughters who end up being in the episode because he's now introducing Teresa and then Leslie to his own kids. And Gary is, he is just so pumped. He just feels like, wow, 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 my daughters are here and I need them to see that Teresa is just a fantastic woman. So Teresa comes on in with her short, short, short shorts, big boobs, short shorts, skinny good legs. Looks hot. She comes in, she goes over to, uh, you know, meet the daughters and they have an amazing conversation and Gary offers her some juice. This is important for later. Offers her some juice. They love each other. They're loving each other. Everyone's happy. You know, the granddaughters have a one sentence conversation with grandpa. So grandpa, you seem happy. I am. I am happy. By golly, I think I am happy. They go back. He then goes on a date with Teresa. Now, he basically can't keep his lips off Teresa's lips. How do we know this? Oh, man, I wish I had red lipstick with me because I would give you guys quite the show. When I tell you, one thing that I'm concerned about Teresa is her lip situation. And I'm going to be 100% honest. I don't know if it was humid. I don't know if there was like shakiness. Her lips... I'm going to put some clear lip gloss. It's not going to do it. But her lips are like, she puts her lipstick like, like, yeah, her chin. If it was red, you would really be able to see it. Now I'm going to, now I'm going to break out. (laughs) Her lipstick was just so jarring for me in this scene. It was bright red and it was like dripping on the sides. If you didn't notice, you got to go see about it. It just is odd to me. But then as the scene continues, you notice her lipstick starts to look a little bit better because there's less of it on there. Oh, because it's all on Gary's mouth. Gary ends the episode with, these are his lips. (laughs) Gary has officially, you know, started, you know, RuPaul's Drag Race at the end of this scene with Teresa and her, or his red lips. Meaning they couldn't get their hands off of each other because man, oh man, they have some sort of serious chemistry. So obviously it's looking amazing for Teresa at this moment. But I'm thinking, is it editing? Because it's always editing, right? So then he goes the next day and introduces Leslie, who looks so sweet, so pretty, flowy dress. I really like Leslie. And he introduces her to the family. Oh, the one thing about the juice. Earlier in the night with Teresa, he goes, I have something I just found out. Earlier, when I gave you some orange juice, I found out there was vodka in it. <laughs> she goes, oh, my God. No wonder I was feeling a little loopy. Do you not taste vodka in your orange juice? Guys, seriously, this is a serious question. I've never once had a screwdriver and not been able to taste the vodka. Like, vodka is a pretty strong flavor. It doesn't just, you know, go away with some orange juice. 
thought that was a little interesting. So then the next uh, day, as he brings Leslie over to family, now she had an interesting moment. I didn't think it really, it, I don't think it was the the right, you know, moment for her, but it just goes to show who Leslie is. She's sitting there with mom, with the daughters and the granddaughters. And the granddaughters, remember, are like teenage and above. I don't know how old they are, but they were definitely not like kids' kids. And she's talking and she goes, you know, the one time that I really felt comfortable with Gary was when we were hanging out, just the two of us, like doing whatever. And he said, and then they bleeped it. It was the F word, right? And then she was like, yes, I can swear around him. And everyone's faces were like, <laughs> Now, Gary saved the day because he was like, I just want you to know there was an exclamation point at that moment and not not a, a question mark. <laughs> the kids are like, <laughs> then they say, oh, my gosh, Leslie is, you know, so off the cuff. It's endearing. She just says whatever's on her mind as if she's like this kind of wild child. Well, that's what they were making her out to be. Gary just basically, he never said about how much he loves her. He basically just said, like, she's fun, which seemed a little different than where he was feeling a few days before, right? She's fun. We laugh. So then when he's going and saying goodbye to her before their big night, last night date, this was so incredibly awkward. I've never seen anything like this. I wanted to die. And I was like, was this production or cameras or editing that are just like doing this or is this real? I think this was real. She's sitting there with him and she's like, Oh, and he's like, I think it's time we go. She goes, yeah, I I, I really don't want to go. I really want to stay with you always. And he's like, yeah, yeah, uh, it's, it's time I go. I died. I died. So of course she felt it too and walked away feeling like what the F just happened. So when he comes to her house later in the night, her room, he immediately walks in sweet and nice. They're hugging. But then she says, you know, I know you. What's going on with you? You definitely acted. And he was like, I'm, I'm sorry about that. I'm sorry about that, Leslie. It was me. It wasn't you. I've just got a big decision on my hand. I have a lot of thinking to do. There's two of you. Yet no shit, Gare Bear. There's two. There's two of you. This is a big decision. I mean, on one hand, do I pick you who I actually really connected with this entire time? Or on the other hand, do I pick her? Because man, have you seen her, her, uh, retirement fund? Don't know which one to choose. Hmm. So he ends up, uh, you know, having this kind of really awkward conversation. It gets weirder and weirder by the moment. And she knows this is weird. Something's up and he knows something's up. And he can't fake it. They say goodbye and they start to kind of both tear up. He walks out. He melts down onto the stairs. She melts down into the couch and then he comes back. I wonder if producers basically said, maybe he went to producers in that moment and he said, listen, I cannot have her get dressed and get ready for an engagement and then me break up with her. Like, I need to break up with her right now. Because he comes back to talk to her. And the only reason he came back to talk to her was to break up with her, Right. So he does, he comes back and I think she probably was getting her hopes up like, oh, thank God he's back because he wants to sh tell me, you know, whatever. And he says, I, I, I have fallen in love with Teresa. And when I tell you, Leslie, 
snaps all around for Leslie. She did not let him off the hook. She starts to get so upset. She starts to bawl. She's crying. She's upset at him. How dare you do that to me? How dare you lie to me? You lied to me the other night. How could you do that? And he's just like, oh, by golly, gee, in my uh in my oaths to the world, I have never lied except for that variety at Hollywood Reporter expose the other day. But I'm not a liar. I just lie about everything in my life. You guys, I think Gary is shady. I get a shade vibe. After the expose and after seeing the way he quickly threw Leslie to the back end, after she he had straight up said to her face, I love you and you're the one. Like that, you cannot say that on The Bachelor. You should just say, I love you so much. I, I can totally see my life with you. But to say, no, you're the one, and then to backpedal is so effed. Anyway, I was not a fan of, of um, you know, I was not a fan of the way that he handled it. But of course, he ends up with Teresa. Now, I will say one thing really fast. Teresa is the right person for Gary. Leslie's the right person for me. Like, if I had to choose someone that I would want to spend more time with, it would probably be Leslie. But I saw an article yesterday that I thought was really funny. I was going to talk to Justin Tim- Justin Timberlake. My boyfriend, Justin Timberlake, was here yesterday. Justin Martindale. I think that, to me, I think that uh, Teresa is on the same level as Gary. They both have had a very long-term marriage. Both have lost their their spouses to, you know, ca- cancer, liver failure, and and sadness, right? Now they are both starting over again. And Teresa is like a puppy dog for him. Leslie has a little more fire in her butt, right? And so there was an article that said, Leslie has dated all these really cool guys. She even dated Prince. And the article said, what is she doing with this nerd? <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. It's true. I don't think Leslie and Gary would have made it for the long run. Teresa and Gary are better suited. So Teresa and Gary and, oh, Leslie, you know, is there for the after the final rose. And she looks great. She's definitely gotten some work done. And she's wearing her Magen David, her Jewish star, which is so freaking brave in these days. And I'm grateful about that. So anyway, she has this conversation with Gary. And she says, you know, how dare you? You really screwed me. It wasn't fair. It wasn't right. I'm I'm angry with you. He said, will you forgive me? This was a very long conversation. Will you forgive me? And she says, um, I don't know if I can forgive you, but I can understand something along those lines. I enjoyed that conversation. It was good. I think all like scorned women were like, yeah, Leslie. And you always saw Kathy in the background. You remember Kathy? You know, zip it, snap it, bend it. Kathy in the back is like this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Kathy is the most animated viewer of anything you'll ever see. Her faces, her 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 body language. She's always talking to someone. Kathy is the audience member that's always like, if they want like a big obvious, re- she would be a great extra. Kathy would be a great extra on TV. She'd be like, wow, ooh, <laughs> so anyway, they um they show the final proposal. Honestly, I fast forwarded through it because I'm just not invested in Teresa and Gary at all. And then Teresa and Gary come out and then we proceeded to see something which I found incredibly strange and hard to watch. But I've since heard there's a reason. So Gary starts to, when he is not speaking, Teresa's speaking to Jesse and he is mouthing her words perfectly. 
Meaning she's sp- saying full sentences and he, it's almost like he wrote her speech, practiced with her 475 times and is like a stage dad on the side, but he's on camera. And I even had Lance come up and I was like, you gotta see this. And he was like, what the, what is that? It was the craziest thing I've ever seen. Well, a lot of you guys say that that has something to do with his hearing loss. And if you have hearing issues, a lot of times it helps you process what other people are saying with your, um, by using like mouth, um, movements, right? You can process what other people are saying. Now, if that's the case, they did an amazing job never showing that on the show. We didn't see any of that on the show. I think we would have definitely seen it on the show, but we didn't see any of it. It was so not, um, present or obvious, this like mouthing thing. So anyway, he's doing this mouthing thing so much that I had to actually like stop watching. I feel really bad that it ended this way between Gary and I, but AI Gary finally showed his flaws. And between the last couple of days, like I'm turned off of AI Gary, AI Gary, AI is not perfect. And this here is a perfect example of why AI is flawed. Gary is flawed and that's good because everyone should be flawed. Now he and Teresa are, are being offered a wedding special for January. I want to know something. Are you going to watch it? I am definitely not. I have no interest. However, what I would watch is bachelor and golden bachelor in paradise. Get Kathy, get Susan, get all these women. Maybe you have to do one more season of a golden bachelorette and get all these men and women at a retirement house. Put them in the retirement um, community in Florida. You know, the one that like is an entire universe where they have like movie theaters and bowling. How amazing would that be? I, I mean, that's what I need to do. So the question is, who should be the next golden bachelorette? Do you think it can be Leslie? Or do you think we're going to go backwards and go to someone like a Joan or an Ellen? Be very interested to know. It was a night of good TV. It was a night of, um, you know, fun. We went to Jamaica. We were in Costa Rica. We were in a studio. We, We were in Kathy Hilton's house. We went all around the globe yesterday. And I'm glad that I was able to bring this to you. Because another week goes by. My dosers, I appreciate you beyond, as always. Couldn't do it without you. Have an amazing weekend, and I'll see you guys on Monday. Bye.